Our world is dying, politicians are lying And just when you feel like crying Sit and have a listen to people who have shit themselves Hi, I'm Claudia. I'm Evie, and we are the hosts of the Poodcast, and we are back for season two. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Welcome, welcome to the shitstorm that is 2021. <laughs> for those who don't know, the Poodcast is a podcast on a mission to learn about the lives of those living with bowel and bladder conditions whilst sharing a shitty story of our own along the way. Um, mm. And this week, our focus is going to be on celiac disease and gluten-free diets. And this is bang up my street as... Oh, honey, this was made for you. As, um, yeah, we haven't really, like, properly gone in on this yet, have we? And it's very exciting for me because um, it's, you know, beating my drum because I have had to deal with a gluten-free diet for a long time. And I think I've basically just um, come to terms with that. But I still do think about Subway on a regular basis. I was going to say, I think you've come to terms with this except for Subway. It's always Subway or chicken burgers. I do think we need to actually start creating some sort of protest about this because this this does upset you. Mm. We've done nothing about it. We need to, I know we can't during this pandemic maybe go stand outside his doors. Although they're doing it in America. We could just storm the Subway headquarters (laughs) and nothing will happen so maybe let's just do that yeah just wear, Get it wear my bandana going to subway <laughs> and then just sort of hope for the best um so yeah. claudia how is your bum and how is your tum post christmas i haven't spoken to you and i haven't seen you obviously tell me all how was that my wensleydale cheese by the way i forgot to ask it was cracking was it? it was good i had wensleydale cheese i had smoked cheese we had some sort of um gru- how do you say it? gruyere yeah, I know exactly what you mean, but I don't know how to say it. You know, the smelly one. Well, that's more when It was know. good. Yeah, no, do you know what? Christmas Christmas was good. I did buy my boyfriend a, a Dishoom curry book, um, which meant, though, that then all he wanted to cook for the entirety of the two weeks was curries. And so I, yeah, we I, all, when I you say into detail. We all know how that went. <laughs> when you say for the entirety for the two weeks, tell us what happened with your present opening. Because this is so funny. Oh, it's so sad, yeah. isn't it? Well, so obviously everything was like constantly changing um, with knowing whether you were going to spend Christmas with your families. And I thought uh, that I was going to get to spend Christmas with my family up until that dreaded Saturday when we got the 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 message that that was not going to happen. But on that Saturday morning, me and my boyfriend were having our Christmas because we thought we weren't spending Christmas together. <laughs> So we opened all of our presents and we got each other <laughs> and had like a little Christmas. <laughs> I was like, right, I'm just going to go have a shower, you know, wash up all the excitement of this this Christmas that we've just had. And then came down the stairs after the shower. He was like, babe, we need to check the news. <laughs> and they denounced that we would actually just be spending Christmas just the two of us. And now I had nothing to give each so other. So did you have to wrap them um, all back up again? We did, we like set like a £30 limit and although I've been trying to avoid it because, you know, it's the devil, I did then kind of do a panic buy on Amazon to get him some stocking presents. Yeah, got to do it. Um, so we kind of did it like that. Um, and yeah, it was good. It just wasn't, it just wasn't what I'm used to. Mm. I'm very tight with my family. I've never spent a Christmas away from them. So it felt, it felt very strange to not be with them. But mm. we did have a nice time. The curries did did finish me. Yeah. Um, I mean, surely even he good. reached a limit with the curries. 
I mean, we had bacon naan rolls for Christmas breakfast. Like, wow. That's like full on dishoom living. It was, it was yeah, good. Yeah, it sounds great. It was good, but it, yeah, I'm a different person to who I was before. <laughs> I think um, I am as well. I think we all are. I think I actually, I, I definitely put on like a, a bit of weight, obviously, as a lot of people have during lockdown and things and being back at school at work this week. I was looking after this little boy in the playground and there's like no, obviously no children there and I'm just working with the vulnerable kids. So he was like, I'm really bored. There's no one to play with. And I said, you know what? I've got this really fun new app on my phone that we that we could play with on the playground. He's like, what is it? I was like, it's called Couch to 10K. <laughs> and so he just had me and this child running for one minute, then walking for one minute. Then and he was like, this is so fun. Oh, I was like, brilliant, so sweet. brilliant. So that's that's. I that. really wish but I yeah. deemed exercise really fun. It wasn't fun. I did not enjoy it. But having a little running buddy, yeah. you know, as a six-year-old, they got they got hella energy. How are you, Eves? How's your bum and tum? Yeah, I do, thanks, Claude. So I don't want to be too smug, but I'm I'm absolutely great to be honest. Obviously, so the whole you. situation is fucking horrendous but um my my tum has been behaving extremely well almost Congrats. too well um thank you so much over christmas i was having about three cheese boards per day that was not going well <laughs> and i think i don't know if i've just shocked my bod but i think now I've, I've weaned myself off the three cheese boards a day i'm going back to just how i was eating before but my body has seen how bad it could be so it's behaving better because i'm just back to normal so yeah. um yeah just been you know really really good everything's been a bit more regular in the toilet department um That's thank you lot. so much so yeah everything's great and i have i've always been a big broccoli fan but oh god have you? i fucking love broccoli and in the past couple of weeks i've got on board with it even more because i found you know how much i love tender stem broccoli with a bit of sesame oil it's just uh, sometimes a bit of gluten-free soy sauce i just am loving life with it um so yeah i'd say i think 2021 is going to be the year of the brock um so yeah right. so that's I how mean, i'm going your hopes high yeah look th- the the bar is really low so i'm just going to take this as a win the fact that i'm really into broccoli um at the moment and yeah i do miss the cheese boards but i think my colon couldn't have coped with much more of it to be honest yeah that is a lot of cheese what cheese oh my god one in one day i had a whole 250 gram block of edam holy and that i wasn't that's not i'm not trying to brag here i wasn't even trying i that wasn't a problem for me i didn't even think about it it was in the space of 24 hours i had a whole block of edam blue i had half a block and then i felt so sick after the blue cheese next day back on it again and i felt i feel like if you mix it up with some chutney you don't quite realize how clammy it is so because it's a bit of everything in a mouthful you've before you know it you've literally just turned into a brie factory i just don't know how it's happened but and there's no like sense of like the window of kind of regret is very small here like if you're saying you're mm. going back on it the next day like you know sometimes if you're very unwell you can't eat something for ages yeah. like you no, just you just kept churning no, it out no. there's no it's not a problem right. for me claudia um i didn't eat really any chocolate or biscuits or anything like that that's not my downfall my downfall is okay. is savory and it's cheese and i said this to my mum and she was like well you do come from a family of dairy farmers and i was like yeah i don't think that's it actually margaret the cows are calling yeah it's home. just i'm used to yeah, generations have been milking cows my body can take on an a real amount of cheese so um so yeah i'm feeling to be honest i'm feeling great i mean i'm not mentally but but the bum is all fine and yeah 
lots of nice scented toilet paper at the moment I'm enjoying. Bit of cushel, nice and quilted. Everything's great, Claudia. Thanks. How's how's your sleep? Sleep is sleep was good, not great over Christmas because the lack of routine always goes to shit. Yeah. But um, the past couple of nights, my boyfriend actually slept on the sofa to give me the whole bed, and I slept great. I think he had a terrible sleep last night. Um, but you know, I feel fine, so that's the most important thing, isn't was it? Was that? Did he volunteer? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he volunteered. He's very kind. What a lovely man. I know. If ever I have a bad sleep, he just goes, "I'll sleep on the sofa," but. Let's not think he's too great because the other night, the reason he does this is because he's a bit of a nightmare to sleep with. The other night, he turned over so hard, he I woke up being bounced onto the floor and I got I was on the floor. The next consecutive night, I got whipped in the face with a duvet that woke me up. And sometimes I just shout in the middle of the night because he's sleep talking. Well, in the middle of the night, one night he went Elizabeth, and I was like, who the fuck is Elizabeth? Elizabeth, where are you? We need to get on. I mean, that's got to be a whole separate episode with working out who the fuck Elizabeth is. I know. Is. Like a true crime podcast of who Elizabeth is. Um, so, yeah, he's okay, been very so kind, he is but... the root of the problem, actually. Um, he's not the root, but he certainly isn't the solution. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to my boyfriend. He's listening. Permission to discuss condition. To kick off season two, we are treating you to two guests this week, you lucky buggers. And we are starting with the fabulous Morwenna Sachs, known on Instagram as Celiac Circle. Morwenna was diagnosed with celiac disease in 2009 and has said it was a pretty bumpy ride. She currently supports diagnosed celiacs on how to thrive in a gluten-free life as a celiac coach and mentor and gives us all great recipes and positive mindset advice on her social media. I'm also looking at Evie who loves your social media and is very very excited yes, to have you on <laughs> um and she's also been even more busy lately after giving birth to her son Archie in September last year congratulations and welcome oh, Morena how's your bum how's your tum they are both actually quite good again good. You, like you Evie I'm quite pleasantly surprised (laughs) (laughs) but um I think it has been locked down don't get me wrong I have indulged over Christmas what was your tipple oh yeah I do love a cheese board as well um but I also dug into chocolates um I got an overload of after eights um oh oh, damn yeah (laughs) so that wasn't ideal um but who's going to see me? So no so. one knows, and they're all doing the same thing. There is not a single person, surely, that wasn't having some sort of cheese or chocolate for breakfast, exactly. lunch, and dinner. And dinner. Exactly. It yeah. just happens. Um, so yeah, both sweet and savory, which is kind of the double-edged sword for me, isn't it? Okay. If you can't do it during lockdown over Christmas, when can when you? can you? And yeah, I also had the oh, I'm going to see my family finally, and then no. So. Oh gosh, I'm so and and have your have your family been able to meet Archie? Yeah, they've been able to meet Archie, um, but pretty much a couple of weeks after he was born. Um, so it's been some time. So lots of zooming, yeah. Uh, and yeah, he just grows so quickly, which is mad. <laughs> because when we actually first wanted to get you on for series one and you were like sure but just to let you know I'm due to give birth maybe today (laughs) and we were like is that an excuse come on now I was I was so excited I was like yeah I'd love to do it but possibly could give birth at any point (laughs) 
It would have been a really good interview. Like it would have for us, like really breaking journalism, just to really be on the call while you were pushing. I don't know. So, um, when did you um get diagnosed with celiac disease? So I got diagnosed in late two thousand and nine. Um, I was I consider myself a silent celiac. So I actually didn't have that many symptoms. I felt at the time looking back it kind of all links in Mm. um but I was I was a bit bloated um fairly regularly but at the time I just thought you know I'm I'm a teenager it's fine um and (laughs) and I was really really anemic and my doctors kept saying oh you're anemic you need to go on iron but they never gave celiac a look in but I was diagnosed because my mum and my aunt were diagnosed so um, that's interesting yeah so basically my aunt was diagnosed first and she then called the family (laughs) (laughs) you know this thing that we all get (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, we all had no idea what she was on about but um very luckily had the blood test and I actually did that when I was 16 so that was 2006 Um, and they said at the time I don't actually know if it's different now it must be but um in 2006 they said oh you're borderline go back like just carry on with your life and then come back in three years time three Um, years yeah just go on for three years you'll be fine (laughs) yeah but because I was silent because for me it was really not much of a difference I mean those poor people that I speak to daily who really really struggle that would have been so so horrible like to have just got like so close and then been told oh no you're kind of borderline let's uh, send you away again um so at the time in 2006 I wasn't that bothered um now I know what I know about celiac disease I was causing more damage over those three years which is kind of makes me slightly angry mm. um but I mean they're just going by oh you're borderline so we'll just we test you yeah. and then when I came back in 2009 I was like ridiculously celiac <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> and is the testing when you come back so I think either you kind of talked us through this a little bit before you they have to test kind of gluten in your body like what is the kind of diagnosis process because it sounds quite grueling yeah so you have to be eating gluten and that is so hard for so many different people um yeah you've just you've just got to be having as much gluten as you can within a space of I think they like to say six weeks six so weeks yeah for those people yeah for those people that are just really trying hard and so they stop it it's six grueling weeks for them to be like oh like yeah it must I just I have so much sympathy for them so I the way I was diagnosed was the blood test so you go and have your blood taken so they say right okay it looks like you do have celiac disease and then you are generally offered fairly straight away although again my experience is so different to so many other people's um I had an endoscopy fairly quickly um which is a little camera that goes down your throat how was that whenever people say that it makes me feel quite quite terrified I don't know if I want to share my experience. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to scare your listeners. <laughs> Mine wasn't a great experience, but if you ask me now, would I have it again? I would go and have it again purely because I want to know 
that everything is okay and I yeah. think that's kind of what you've got to keep in the forefront of your mind is I want to know that my body is healthy and fine when I speak to newly diagnosed people which is just my absolute passion to do mm-hmm. um it's it's a case of kind of just you're so scared because you're not sure what to do you're kind of like right now I've been given this diagnosis and where do I go now and what can I eat and you just think everything is caving in on you mm-hmm. um but re- for me looking back I just I see so much positivity and I think that's why a lot of people say to me I'm just gonna blow my own trumpet here guys um, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> um, a lot of people say um god you're so positive and I really love your energy and just how you make me feel so much better about this diagnosis and it's because it really is like the way the world is now towards celiac disease versus back in 2009 and when my mum was first diagnosed which was yeah probably around 2004 2005-ish um oh my god it's so much better like the fact we've got entire aisles yes okay veganism is creeping in and (laughs) (laughs) elbowing it off the shelves um but yeah it's amazing I mean I could only get bread by going to the pharmacy and I would have to order it in bulk so I'd have to buy like 10 loaves at a time and I didn't even like it it was hot I just had to get my freezer and just like shut my freezer and be like okay I'm just gonna pretend that's not there have you found that people have a good understanding of what it is like we talk about how maybe it's changed quite a bit since 2009 in terms of like products that are available or when you go out to eat a restaurant there might be more available on the menu but do the people serving you have an understanding because when I was reading about cross-contamination and things I I've worked in hospitality for you know done many jobs waitressing bar work whatever I don't think anyone's ever briefed me that if somebody came up to me and said, you know, is this going to be mixed with this in the kitchen, that I would have any clue what they were talking about. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I, I don't know about you, Morwenna, but I've uh, before asked if I could have something and they've brought me a huge file, a huge folder and goes, there's our policy, read it. And it's oh, literally yeah. full of every allergen you could get and you're just flicking it and you're like, I don't even know where to start with this. All I want to know is, can I have this one specific meal? Yeah. And I just can I have the soup? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're like, well, here's everything about peanuts. So go ahead. And you're like, what the fuck? And you've got I... one hour left of your reservation. So, yeah, you know, ex- quick, quick. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, Evie. Yeah, that folder of doom. Is like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> folder of doom. And they're always massive. They're always like these massive bible things um and yeah you're right you just gotta go through um yeah I've had good experiences and bad experiences I think everyone will um you I think what gets me the most is those people who think they're doing the right thing by pretending they know what gluten is so they're almost (laughs) embarrassed to say oh no I don't know what that is I'd much rather someone say oh I'm really sorry I actually don't know what gluten is can you just explain what you need I'd 100% love for that to happen and then I can just explain and I won't think negatively of that person I'll just think oh I'm glad they've asked me but those people that say yep 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 uh yeah I think you can have that and that looks good and yeah it's those people and then you get this thing come through with crude oh so this is an actual real life experience so I've I've had that experience and they've said yeah yeah I think you can have that that's great it was 
I think this is like early days. So I was trying to play it safe with something. It was probably a salad. It was a salad. Um, and um, it came back with croutons on it. And I'm like, but you just said it was gluten free. And they're like, yeah, it is. It's good. Yeah, it is. Eat, like, eat it. <laughs> Done. Put croutons on it. And they're like, oh, okay. So what's gluten again? And I'm like, okay, right. What do they think them. it was? What did they <laughs> Gosh. but that's the thing it's the it's the people and unfortunately there are those people out there that try and pretend they know and I just would much rather they educate through asking the customer or just yes maybe just educate mm-hmm. the you also t- talk about the term gluten anxiety and um, what do you what what is gluten anxiety so gluten anxiety to me I think you've got two forms of gluten anxiety you've got um one where you are so conscious of gluten being in your meal and this mostly well I was going to say it happens when you're out but actually I think it can also you can get it when you're at a friend's house or Mm. visiting someone else's house and it's it's whatever you're staring at on your in on your plate you're just like there's gluten in there there's there's I'm going to be ill and that's one form of gluten anxiety and it's kind of how you can get over that well that is mostly asking questions isn't it it's kind of saying okay what are we going to eat tonight and and it's easier said than done for some people and some people don't like to even bring it out with their families um so it's kind of working your way through that and that's something again I really help I try and help as many people with that because it's amazing how many people can't even speak to their close family about it. Um, And then there's the other side of gluten anxiety, um, which is talking about being celiac um, or not being able to eat gluten. Again, Evie, like you said, it's the media has blown it up to be a diet um, and celebrities rightly or wrongly have been talking about it um, and being gluten-free and all of that and so um, it's that fear of bringing it up and saying to someone oh I'm gluten-free I can't eat that or even explaining what it even is because I I have to admit like at the very beginning I would just kind of be like yeah I'm gluten-free and (laughs) and not really like I just like muffle it down in my menu being like I can't and because it was you don't want to be different you don't Mm. it's not nice to stand out we're kind of taught as human beings not to be sheep but we're kind of like we have a bit of a formula don't we we kind of just go through life um and so standing out and being like I'm different (laughs) and also made to feel like you're being difficult I think that is like a real fear for a lot of people the idea of being that difficult person at the restaurant or a party when like you said you're just asking for things that are not going to make you unwell it's mostly about asking questions again if your anxiety is about talking about it it's a lot harder but it's just explaining to the person that you are you need to be empowered because this is your body and your health so it's important for you to talk about it um so I'm trying to like a lot of people think of celiac disease as like a hinder and I'm trying to like Mm. flip it over and be like actually you need to feel empowered about having this and you need to create like make your body the best it can be Mm. that's Um, great it's such a nice way of looking at it as well feeling empowered rather than limited and during the pandemic you um you have been creating your free from boxes can you tell us a bit about that oh well that was just a little me trying to just 
keep my fingers in the celiac pies <laughs> I don't really know how to say that um yeah that was just me so slight backstory um I actually quit my job uh I worked with free so the Doves Farm umbrella free oh yeah I've got their flower yeah it <laughs> sounded like my mother then <laughs> <laughs> don't worry um, I'm very pleased you do um so yeah I worked with them and I i Hannah Manitison in December last year and then I found out I was pregnant it all just kind of unraveled um so I was thinking oh gosh have I done the right thing (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah and then we hit the pandemic so um I I have my own digital marketing company and then I try and I'm now trying to kind of I was doing the coaching leading up to my son's birth and then after that I kind of just been enjoying him but I'm now trying to get back into um this coaching again um but it was just another form of we're in lockdown what can I do to make a little bit more money for my family Mm -hmm. and also be interested in it and I just thought you know what actually there's not many gluten-free not even gluten-free I was trying to cover like lots of different like allergies or intolerances or autoimmune conditions so I was I was doing a lot of like dairy free and then gluten free and it was just kind of a little way of what doing something to earn a little a little bit more money and kind of help the free from people and um you were sort of talking about um a lot of women getting in touch with you in regards to sort of fertility with celiac disease um can celiac disease affect fertility if you're a celiac so if you've been diagnosed and you're doing what you need to be doing which is having a strict gluten-free diet you will not have the reason you might have fertility issues will not be because you're a celiac you can read about it on celiac uk website um but there has been some connection of undiagnosed celiacs and to be honest if you're an undiagnosed celiac, there'll be all sorts going wrong with your body. <laughs> um, it won't just be kind of your fertility. There'll be all sorts of things shutting down and osteoporosis starting. And a lot of things will be kind of not working for you. Um, so fertility does fit into the, if you're undiagnosed, you may mm. have problems. It is a fear for a lot of women. And unfortunately, fertility and celiac disease has found it's they've kind of come together I think just because for women it would yeah it's not a nice thing what I'm trying to say is it's been built up um, a lot bigger than it should be it's scaring a lot more women than it should be but if you are Mm. sticking to your diet and doing everything you should be doing Mm then you shouldn't worry about fertility. At all. I think it's when Dr. Google kind of rears his ugly head, isn't oh, it? Like it's just, it sends people down a bit of a spiral. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm sure it's very comforting for a lot of women to be able to contact you about oh, it. It's yeah. one of the joys of the gram, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And it's lovely to to hear from people. It really is. It fills me with so much joy. And I'm, I'm a little geek, really, when... <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to celiac disease, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll talk about that. (laughs) Thank you so, so much for chatting to us. We are so grateful to have you on. I'm so great to have a gluten-free friend to talk to. Yeah, always. Um, 
if people did want to get in contact with you, if they've just been diagnosed or they think they might be celiac, what, where can people, um, you know, chat to you? Yeah, come and join my circle. <laughs> so yeah, I'm purely on Instagram and Facebook right now. Um, so just celiac underscore circle. And yeah, it's it's my little group. It's my gang of celiacs and gluten intolerant people. I'm not going to disallow anyone that isn't a celiac you do have to take a survey before she will accept your friend request just be ready blood test results (laughs) (laughs) no I don't Um, but yeah it's my little my little circle of people um and yeah we're a great little community and um again celiac uk website is always a go-to um but yeah celiac circle oh thank you so much more when I were a star Our second guest today, which we recorded in December, is Rick Garner from the award-winning brewery First Chop. Rick is passionate about making sure that beer is accessible to all and First Chop has led the way in gluten-free craft beer production. Now, Rick, we usually ask our guests how their bum and tums are, but this this seems a bit invasive to to now ask you, unless you want to answer how your bum and your tum is. Uh, at the moment, it's it's pretty good, actually. Yeah, good. Congrats. Do you ever have uh, times where your bum and tum aren't good? Oh yeah, regularly. Yes. Oh really? And what, is that down to any condition or just you know too many of your own beers? Uh, no, it's not too many of my own beers because they wouldn't make anybody's bum or tum irrita- irritated. So I'm I'm undiagnosed, but there's there's something wrong down there and I'm just actually waiting. I've been waiting for a long time for, to have a test for celiac oh. disease. Oh, wow. Um, which is going to happen on, uh, I think it's the 3rd of December. It just keeps getting cancelled, you know, because of the yeah. COVID thing yeah. and the, the health service isn't. And will this be the first test? What's, what's the process you've had to go through? Um, well, it's been a long time getting... a a diagnosis i actually was doing some research on the celiac society's website mm. and i came across their um they've got like a tool on there where you can input your symptoms and then it will tell you if it's something else or if it's worth going to have a test um, and i've sort of had an ongoing issues with my guts for, for a couple of years and um i thought you know what I'm not getting anywhere with this. I'll just do this quick test on here. So I inputted some symptoms and I, and I learned quite a lot about celiac disease in the process, actually, that I didn't know previously. Um, and I've got three of the sort of main symptoms of celiac disease. And it said at the end, you know, here's a letter, take it to your doctor and ask them to give you a test. That's so um, good. So now I'm going to get a test. But, but I never realised that celiac disease affects your bones and affects your, your, your like your mood. It can make you really fatigued mm. and it can make your bones. I, I can sort of break a bone by um, standing up <laughs> almost. Um, and it, it, it makes your bones quite, quite sort of fragile. It's so interesting, isn't it? If you don't know a lot about, you know, just general, have a general knowledge of conditions, unless you kind of take it upon yourself to do the research, often these things can go 
undiagnosed and I didn't know that was something you could do online is just fill in it's almost like one of those friends quizzes isn't it that you find out if you're Phoebe Ross or Rachel but not it's not so fun the results aren't as fun <laughs> I think you're actually, a Phoebe Rick I think you're a Phoebe I was gonna say actually it told me that I might have celiacs and I'm probably Phoebe so yeah it's, uh... <laughs> so uh, Rick you run First Chuck Brewery um, what what is First Chop? Well, it started as a bar and kitchen many years ago, which was in Ramsbottom in North Manchester. And um, uh, I've been running that for about five years. And um, I, I approached a local microbrewery to basically use their brewery to, to make some beer for the bar. Um, and they said yes. I made like a small batch of beer because we were, we were quite sort of big on our beers and I've always been, I've always been like a beer lover and I've mm. always, um, you know, sold good beers, sold interesting beers. And I was in, importing a lot of beer from, um, from America or buying a lot of imported beer from America, a lot of sort of modern IPAs, the, the kind of thing that you can get loads of now in the UK, but it was, it was quite rare back then. Um, and, I, and I wanted to make something similar myself. So I approached this local microbrewery um, they were really nice, really helpful. They let me look at all of their recipes and, and basically let me go in and brew with them and taught me how to make beer. My background was a chef, so I kind of had a, you know, a good knowledge of flavours and you know, I had a good idea what I was doing. And I thought, I, can, I, I reckon I can make a beer as good as this stuff that I'm importing. So I made 10 casks of beer. I took a couple of them up to um, a field in Scotland where a friend was having a wedding. And they were the first two first shot beers that got drunk. And the second two casks went on sale in the first shop bar. I took a, a plastic milk bottle full of beer from, that, from one of those. And I pulled from the hand pump into a milk bottle yeah. to quite a um, quite sort of well-known pub in Manchester um, called Port Street Beer House, which was like the place to go for good beer in Manchester at the time. And um, I sat down with the manager. We drank it. He liked it. He noticed my car was parked outside with two casks in the boot. And he said, can I buy those two casks that are in the boot? So that they were the like cask five and six went there. And, um, and then my phone started to ring. People were going in and drinking it and saying, oh, what's this? What's, what's this new brewery? What's, what's this new beer? How do I buy it? And, and it was a place where a lot of um, people who were into beer, who talked about beer a lot went, and people who... Um, also worked in other bars, went. They so their stuff. From those two that went into that one pub, I, I just became a brewer, basically. I think the first ones we did were in uh, May. By October, I'd got orders for, for in, what, in one week to deliver more beer than I'd planned to brew in the whole two years. Wow. Oh God. So um, I bought a brewery. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. That does make sense. <laughs> so the, the beer that you were making at that point, was that um, like celiac beer? Was that gluten-free beer? It wasn't gluten-free beer, no. So um, for the first couple of years, we, we, we didn't make gluten-free beer. I, di I didn't even really know a great deal about gluten-free beer. But as I learned more about brewing and about, um, you know, the processes involved, I began to realise that it's, it's every brewer... So gluten's protein and every brewer, every stage of the brewing process is, is designed pretty much to remove protein. 
and gluten being one of those. So gluten's not something that should be in beer, that you want in beer. It does nothing to the beer. It doesn't improve it at all. It's just something that happens to be in the raw ingredients and there's a trace left in the final, um, you know, in the final product. And, and, and your average beer might have 100 parts per million gluten. Right, okay. Which is a tiny amount, but it's enough to make somebody who has celiac disease um, ill. Yeah, um, and, yeah. it, and it's enough to irritate um, people who, who don't necessarily have celiac disease or who might have a, a gluten intolerance. Yes, that so myself. A lot of people said to me, um, when, when I, obviously the first sort of few casks, well, not the first few, every cask I ever made that I was selling in my own bar and I was standing behind the bar selling to people and talking to people about, I was trying to get everybody to try it. And a lot of people were saying to me, I'd love to try it, Rick. Um, I do love ale, but ale makes, gives me, makes me bloated and gives me um, an upset tummy. So yeah. I just have to stick to drinking lager. Both modern production and sort of traditional lager production. So traditional lager production, it's left to um, condition for a long time, maybe two or three months, and all of the particles in there drop out. And it becomes... And they're, 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 they're sort of tiny, tiny little particles, but the proteins. So that lager will contain a much less gluten than an ale, for instance, which is only conditioned for a week and not everything has dropped out of it. Right. I kind of thought, right, well, probably the reason why these people are not um, enjoying or they're getting a, an upset tummy because they're drinking ale or when they drink ale is because it's got a higher gluten content then i went to uh, this symposium in uh, nuremberg which was like a big sort of brewing conference i, I got talking to this guy over there who talk, talk, told me about this um enzyme which traditionally or for a very very long time been used in lager brewing to shorten the period that it takes to make lager because it it helps to break down the proteins and they drop out of the beer faster. We can use that enzyme for any beer. And it kind of made me think, well, we could make all of our beer gluten-free by using this enzyme. And then all of these people who I've been talking to have been saying, I'd love to drink ale, but it gives me a, a, a bad tummy, mm. was be able to drink our beer. And that's how we sort of started. And then it took about 18 months, two years of experimenting, um, testing it. And, and then we ended up with a full range. So everything we make now is gluten-free. That's amazing. And what's the response been like, Rick? I know that you were saying that, that people are saying that they that they can't have um, certain drinks because it makes them bloat. Did, did, did they have an understanding that they might have a gluten intolerance? Or like you were saying that you're just starting to think that maybe you should be tested for celiac disease. Like, did, did people kind of associate the two? And, and did that then create an excitement when you said you were bringing out gluten-free beer? Most of the people I spoke to didn't link the two. A lot of people thought it was because of yeast, and they didn't they didn't even think about gluten. They didn't they didn't associate the two. I think that was twenty. That was seven years ago. And I think between then and now, people's awareness has been raised a lot more. Um, yeah. And it's it's much more of a thing now. People know about gluten intolerances and. There's a lot more availability of um, gluten reduced or gluten free products for people. And, yeah, um, you found this, Evie, haven't you? 
yeah absolutely the the rate the, the choice now and especially with things like beer when I first sort of was diagnosed I didn't even I didn't I didn't think I even looked or could access gluten-free beer whereas now the choice is is far greater because the it's, awareness is so much more it's massive like the the, the there's websites now where that sell only gluten-free beer mm. and, you, and and the supermarket used to have a, a gluten-free shelf didn't it yeah although, and now it's got an aisle yeah well exactly yeah although having said that um it was it was a bit cruel for me because i was just starting to really get into sort of pale ales and beers and things when just before i got diagnosed as gluten sensitive and i was just starting to discover sort of different types and flavors and um, whereas now i actually feel that i can't necessarily find a huge choice different like lots of different gluten-free beer flavors what sort of what are the range of products that you produce because everything is gluten-free um so can you just give us an example of kind of what your different beers are so we've got 12 different beers oh my um, goodness. and, and uh, we, we've got like a, a, a hoppy blonde at three and a half percent up to a black ipa at 6.2 we've got a red ale we've got a manchester bitter we've got two or three different ipas we've got a um a mango ipa oh I, like I really like the sound of that yeah, i'd like that like that, that, that one for the ladies <laughs> <laughs> So how do you absolutely um, guarantee that your products don't contain gluten? Okay, so we've sort of fine-tuned the process of, of beer making over the years. So for instance, we use something called Irish Moss. That's the first finding that we'll use, which, which is in, in the hot wort, um, which is a, a type of seaweed. And that's, that's the first finding that you use to sort of start removing proteins. And you put that in 10 minutes before the end of your boil. And then we use a, this particular enzyme in the jewelry fermentation, which again helps the, um, the proteins to sort of break down and, and drop out of the beer. And um, so we've sort of fine-tuned that process over, over the years so that we know that a, a beer um, that's you know, got these right amounts in and is then um, fermented for a particular period of time and then it's then chilled to a certain temperature for, and then left to condition for a particular period of time. We, we know that those processes will result in a gluten-free beer. So whenever we do a, a, a new recipe, it gets sent off to be tested in an outside laboratory. And then in-house, we do two gluten tests. Oh, that's a little bit technical here. <laughs> it's quite technical. I'm like, this is a science lesson. I'm doing my best to keep up. Uh, yeah, I, I'm doing my best to keep up as well, actually. <laughs> so there's a there's an R five, I think it is, and a G twelve antibody, which make these two different tests. So to be absolutely sure that our beer is gluten free, we use both of these tests. Um, Great. So it, it passes both tests in house, and then it's also sort of. Um, audited and monitored annually by the Celiac Society. This is really interesting to me because a lot, I think a lot of breweries or a lot of you know, gluten-free products would just choose not to use anything that contained gluten. So you might use a different kind of grain, uh, but, but you, don't, you don't do that. Why, why do you not do that? Because we started off as a, as a, a regular brewer using gluten-containing uh, ingredients. And, you know, we found a way to, produce beer that we can do a test 
on that we, the two tests they, they can detect different amounts of gluten so one will tell us um it'll give us a negative result if it's below 10 parts per million and one will give us a negative result if it's below five parts per million um, so we, we can test our beer to show that there's less than five parts per million gluten in it i think the beer made from pseudo grains which are non-gluten containing grains just doesn't taste as good yeah mm. um so and, and that's not that's not how i think you know we could do that but i i want to make beer that is just as good as anybody else's beer yeah and it's also course. like a mainstream product um but that's accessible to people with a gluten uh, intolerance that's really, really refreshing because I think mm. a lot of the time gluten-free uh, products can be a bit of a sort of an afterthought. And I think that's yeah. really um, refreshing to have somebody sort of putting the, at the forefront sort of the flavour, the taste, rather than just like, oh, we need to make sure that we've got that catered for as well. So you can have yeah. this one gluten-free beer that is shit, basically. It's so, like whenever I go and try and get you bread, you're like, don't bother because the gluten-free yeah. bread is shit and I feel yeah. sad for you. So yeah. now I can get you gluten-free beer, Evie. Thanks. I'm just going to be absolutely hammered for every other podcast episode. <laughs> I'd love to see one of your future sandwiches when you're being bought beer instead of bread. <laughs> just a bit of ham in the middle. <laughs> Stout in one, ale in the other. Yeah. So the vast majority of your products, um, are they available to drink sort of in you know pubs and restaurants or can you actually purchase your... Um, tinnies to drink at home particularly this current climate our, our sort of biggest route to market is for people buying to drink at home buying cans to drink at home and at the moment it's online and um, is that first just www.firstchop.com or where dot, can people find you dot co.uk so dot we we, just, we have a website we don't actually run our own shop um it's a it's another company that does it for us so we sort of send the beer to them and they package it and send it out um but there's a link to it from our website um, and we'll make we're sure we're also we... in in the north of england we're in the co-op supermarkets oh, and booths okay. supermarkets and loads of sort of small independent bottle shops all over the country um, oh, and fantastic. bars restaurants can i also do a shout out to your merch you guys do some great t-shirts my me and my boyfriend were just yeah. looking through them now and he was like all right, I could have one of those for Christmas. Wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> and the That's design really good ones. Beer. I love them. The, the designs are great. Yeah, the designs on the actual beer cans as well are fantastic. They really, mm. really stand out. Yeah, Excellent. really good. So that, that's down to um, a friend of mine called Stan Chow, who does all our design, designs the t-shirts, Shout designs out. all the cans, and um, you can you can find him on uh, Instagram, and um, I don't know, just Google him. He's actually quite famous. He's on TikTok and, and all the things that the kids I don't think do. He's, I don't think he's quite got on TikTok yet. That'd be quite funny. Thank you so much, Rick. That was fantastic. Thank you. Nice one. Cheers. Stop what you're doing. Let's talk about pooing. So, just as we are back for season two, we are back with our infamous turtle segments, which we have now changed to the toilet tales so that we can offer out this this platform of embarrassment and hilarity on a wider scale so now we're thinking you know if you've if you like lost your your pants in in the toilet and you had to run home commando or 
your granddad wouldn't stop farting at your graduation. These are all things that have happened to me. I was going to say, these are very specific. (laughs) (laughs) We just wanted to be more inclusive, you know? That's that's the kind of babes we are. So, Eves, what's our first toilet tale of season two? Hit me with that stench. This is exciting, Claudia, because we've had a voice note sent in. Our first voice note? Yeah, this is an anonymous listener. And um, I'm going to play the voice note. I haven't listened to this yet. Imagine if I was like, no, they're alive, but no idea. (laughs) So this is what they say. Um, So I have, I don't have um, any inflammatory bowel conditions, but I do have like an autoimmune inflammatory condition. And um, I've realised that between that and the medication that I take, my stomach has not been happy for a while. Um, but I hadn't eaten the whole day and I decided to, you know, in the afternoon after a long day's work to treat myself to a beef burger and chips. Um, so I did that. I was very bloated. Um, I don't think it took well. And then I did an exercise class and then I decided, you know, to lower my heart rate to go for a walk. Um, big mistake. I shot myself on the way home. What I love that is about like it, they're talking about the burger and chips. Like, oh, it didn't, it didn't sit well. <laughs> so like, blood just didn't, it didn't go well. Big mistake. I shot myself on the way home. I just love <sighs> the way it rounded off, as I'm sure it did in the actual moment. I <sighs> love these voice notes because when we read it out, you know, we'll do our best to kind of bring the drama, but the, nobody can bring the drama like the actual person that shat themselves. Yeah, because I just you're you're so right because they've got they've got nothing left, you know. They may as well just say what's happened. We kind of bring our own agenda to it, whereas they just sort of say it quite matter of factly. And I think it is um, it's just much more enjoyable to listen to. So I'm very very sorry about that. But it's so it we, you know we've covered this before. It's always the gym classes, the exercises, the walking. Yes. Oh, oh yes. I've had God. many of a friend of mine chat themselves whilst running we've got to stop doing it guys if if this is not enough of incentive to just stop exercising then i don't know what is but that's interesting that what did she say it was a beef burger and chips chips yeah quite because that to me yes but that to me is the kind of food that will then like she said sits in your stomach but for me that would not like incur like a shitting of the pants Mm. It, it like it's funny how people's people's tummies are different i always think like curry or like Thai food, stuff that's just going to essentially slip and slide out of there. Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. All tums are different, and that means all disasters are different as well. And everybody experiences these problems in a different way. The common theme, of course, being the gym, stop exercising and stop being so far away from toilets. The walk was obviously the critical problem here. I've, you know, it's a very touchy subject because I actually pooed in a park today. The same park. Today, that was, guys. Yeah, it happened today. It's just today. It was awful. Right. Yeah, it, well, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty bad. And I think if somebody walked past it, it would look insane because I hid behind a bush uh, in a park and the child was about 20 feet away in the pram. I could see him through the the bushes but it must have looked like I just abandoned a child in a pram because yeah, I just that's... had I just had to go I could still see him through the bush but you know had anybody come to abduct him you know I don't think I could have got there in time I was gonna say can we go can we talk through a scenario yes please you're mid pooing yeah you see like somebody the, the poo that was today which was 
urgent. Yeah. It was a, yeah, there was no waiting. But, you know, it, it's, it's like, you can't move. Okay. Somebody comes running, mm. grabs the pram. Yeah. What do you do? Well, I have a bit of a theory that if you just put a lock on the pram, unless they've yeah. got experience with children, they tend not to know how to take the lock off. So I think they try That's and clever. make a quick escape and that would actually take a bit more time and i think if i shouted as well they'd probably stop worst case scenario they ran away i am close to them there was also quite a lot of space where i left the pram so they would have had to approach really really quickly and if you know if they had taken the kid away again not my kid i don't care so (laughs) it was your shit though do you know what i've actually also had is quite a good technique is doing things like like you said with the shouting is doing things that really take people by surprise so in that moment going hey how are you or like how's your mum because I yeah. they didn't expect it or or singing or did you just hear my ping I just got a text as well we're not very organised are we we're not it, it was from my grandma um, oh, but the, shout out Manga who by the way has only listened to this once and then said she'd never listen to it again because we talked too fast my mum checked her phone she had us on double speed <laughs> That happened to one of our friends as well. But now she said that she slowed it, she she put it back to normal. She was like, God, it's painfully slow that way. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the other thing that I had is is singing. So you know, if he was in you just start going, I believe the children are the future like and maybe that would maybe that would stop them. Or maybe they would actually yeah. be like, Yes, they are the future, that's why I'm nicking it, you dickhead. That's a really good idea. I think Darren Brown talks about this. And my go to line is, Oh my god, I think I used to work with your mum. But would you have shouted that while you were shitting behind a book? I'd probably Can you just imagine like, just oh. your little face? Oh my god, I think I used to work with your mum. Well, fortunately, I got away with it, and uh, but it was a bit awkward because I was behind the, the bush. But I didn't want to um, uh, come face to face with the poo I'd just done. So I actually okay. had to then walk forwards through the bush because I didn't want to turn around and see it. So I was breaking off branches with my hands. Like that family guy meme. Yeah, the, the Homer meme and he's going back. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Homer. exactly yeah. what I said to my boyfriend before. It's exactly ah. the same reference I used. But yeah, so I didn't want to, like, after I had pulled my jeans up, I also had wipes and, like, hand sanitizer. I was about to ask, with a kid. You things to, to wipe Yeah. Yeah, because when you're with a kid who's still wearing nappies, you do tend to have lots of toilet paraphernalia. And I... Mm. I, I would... I don't want to say I wouldn't have done it otherwise because I think it was so urgent I didn't really have a choice. But in the back of my head, I was like, worst case scenario, I do have the, the stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I pulled my trousers up and then I didn't want to turn around and look at it. So I just went directly straight through the front of the bush and the child looked so confused when I just came straight <laughs> out of the bush. Can or the child that. speak? Is this something that the child could pass on to mum and dad? No. Okay, great. So we're yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's still yet to... Uh, learn to say the word car properly i've told him so many fucking times that so he keeps then, saying tar i'm like you stupid it's car then you I'm, definitely you know he wouldn't say evie shat behind the bush and then emerge through it <laughs> if he did it would be remarkable wouldn't that be amazing be so proud of him his first sentence <laughs> anyway sorry I've anywho about my bum there. sorry about that everyone. loved it absolutely loved it well thanks guys for listening to our double whammy guest first episode it is good to be back um, and as you can see with the old uh, toilet tales, you can now voice note us if you don't want to type it up, which you still can, and email us are the official at gmail.com. Well uh, <laughs> that was tricky. Um, but you can now voice note us or DM us on 
Instagram or Twitter uh, and you can find us at uh, the underscore podcast. Thank you so much for listening and speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.